The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to the Money Answer Show with host Jordan Goodman. Whether you are starting out, deep into your retirement, or somewhere in between, the Money Answer Show has the know-how to help you. Now here's your host, Jordan Goodman. Welcome to the Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Joe Burgoyne. He is the Director of Institutional and Retail Education with the Options Industry Council. We'll be talking about options. Welcome to the show, Joe. Jordan, thanks very much. Great to be with you today. Let's just start with a little bit of your experience and how you got to where you are at the OIC and your experience in the options market. Sure. Uh, many, many years ago, I, uh, I joined a firm uh, in Philadelphia on the Philadelphia Options Exchange and uh, you know, got my first taste of uh, trying to understand and then eventually trade the markets. And uh, I didn't like it much. I only stuck around for 23 years. I see. Okay. Um, so just tell us a little bit about uh, the Options Industry Council, the OIC, um, and when it was formed and basically what it does. Sure. Uh, well, honestly, I feel uh, really quite privileged to be part of the OIC because what the OIC is, it's, it's a collaboration of the nine U.S. option exchanges along with the Options Clearing Corporation. So we've got you know, nine competitors all basically chipping in to fund this educational entity, and that's what the OIC is. It's the nonprofit educational side of the listed options business. Uh, we were founded in 1992. Well, if you go back to the 87 crash, and many of us remember the 87 crash, um, the board at the Options Clearing Corporation knew full well that, you know, certain things had to change given that the market had you know, crashed that one day in October of 87 by 23%. And one of the initiatives coming out of the board after the crash was to institute a new educational entity. And it took a few years, but in 1992, the Options Industry Council was formed, which at the time I think uh, was supported by five exchanges and uh, the Options Clearing Corporation with one mission, and that was and still is, to educate investors on the responsible use of the option product. So let's give us a sense of the overall option industry. It started as a kind of a small backwater, but it's really become quite big. Give me a sense of how many options there are to be traded, kind of the dollar volume. Uh, just give me a sense of how the industry has grown and how important it is today. Certainly. Um, well, the industry started in '73. Uh, Chicago Board Option Exchange was the first exchange. And then over, I guess, the next five or seven years, uh, you know, a number of other exchanges, uh, you know, came to the fore, the New York Stock Exchange, the Amex, uh, you know, the Pacific Coast, the Philex, uh, all those different exchanges, uh, basically came about. And, uh, I guess it was in the early to mid-80s, where the first hint of electronic trading started. 
I mean, Jordan, if, if we go back to the inception, and, and I go back to uh, 1980 myself, um, I'll never forget when I started down there on the Philex. I mean, we had 29 products, uh, and when, when I say products, that means there were 29 underlying stocks that had options on them. And, and if you can believe it, and you pro- I'm sure you remember this, uh, a number of those 29 stocks only had calls. They didn't have puts. I mean, that's 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 the old days. You remember that, don't you? Indeed. There was, well, even before that, there were unlisted options, right? The options market kind of existed before listed options came along. That is true, and and that started back in '73. So, uh, you know, we uh, like any industry, and, and frankly, it's still a very young industry, um, but it has had enormous growth in the last ten years. And kind of to to move fast forward, uh, as you said, in the early '80s. The first hint of electronic trading uh, began, so that started to increase both uh, the number of products, the speed of execution, and then there was really a significant development uh, in 1999 with the, uh, the advent of the ISC, which was the first all-electronic exchange. Um, back in 99, I think the industry did about 550 million contracts. Uh, for that calendar year. Last August, uh, the month that the U.S. lost their AAA credit rating, um, the industry did over $550 million in the month of August. So, uh, you know, because of technology, I think, by and large, uh, more liquidity, uh, additional transparency, uh, the industry at this point, let's see, last year we did just over four Point six billion contracts. Um, the nine exchanges now offer options on about thirty seven hundred different underlines. I think there are over a half million different strike prices, and and even through the oh eight oh nine financial debacle, uh, the industry continued to grow and has grown at about a seventeen percent a year-over-year rate for the last nine years. So uh, um, the options, because of what they are, uh, the industry has really grown wildly over the last decade. So there's options on 3,700 stocks. And how about other things like interest rate contracts and uh, commodities and gold and all kinds of other? What are some of the other things that options are traded on in addition to stocks? Well, um with regards to our universe, that being, uh, you know, the Options Clearing Corporation, it's primarily stocks, indexes, and ETFs. You know, there are a few products, you know, that uh, have underlying uh, commodities and, and interest rates per se, uh, but for the most part, it's uh, it's our indexes, our uh, and our and our stock underlines. If people go to the OIC uh, website, what kind of educational material there? What, what does OIC do to help educate people about uh, options? Well, uh, as I said, we've been around now. We're celebrating our 20th year this year, and uh, much of our education is done online, although that's just one of the ways we do it. Uh, online, you know, really, it's a collection of 20 years' worth of material. Some of the more important areas, I think, uh, for investors – Want to just and, and one thing I may back up a little bit. Um, everything we do at the OIC is free of charge. 
Um, as I said earlier, it's a collaboration of the nine exchanges and the Options Clearing Corporation. So it is fully funded. Everything we offer is fully funded. And that goes from uh, the different types of educational uh, opportunities that are on the website. We'll do somewhere between 50 and 60, actually more than that, but probably 50 to 60 rather large live events over the course of the year across the country, and we'll do other uh, educational events for, for firms as well. Um, but all this is done free of charge. One of the things that we offer online is something called My Path Education. So if investors are just starting out in the option space, they can go there, um, they can answer a quick quiz of 20 questions, our software will then tell you whether your level is beginner, advanced, or a beginner, intermediate, or advanced. And depending on that, we'll download lessons for you to start the process of building your base of, of options education. So there, there are things like an interactive course. We've created uh, lots of webinars, lots of podcasts. I, I personally uh, moderated a podcast series uh, called Options Talk with OIC, and over the last year and a half, we've added 88 different podcast topics, you know, to our portfolio of education. Um, we have a investor service desk, which a lot of people don't know about. It's a lot of people know about the OIC because we've been around for 20 years, but this in, investor services desk, which used to be called the help desk, a lot of investors don't know about, and you know, that's a resource where we have five or six professionals sitting at a, you know, at their desk all day long waiting to take either your call, your email, your IM, whatever the case may be, to answer any of your option-related questions. So it's, uh, it's a wide range of different opportunities that we offer. So who would you say options are appropriate for? I mean, from the very beginning investor to the most sophisticated, what would be the range of who should be, if somebody who's never done options before, who, who is it appropriate for? Well, you know, honestly, I, I really believe strongly in this. And, and uh, you mentioned the range from the newbie, you know, to the sophisticated investor or, you know, person who trades these things uh, day in, day out. I think options are for everybody. And, and that's not because I, you know, love them, love the product and, and the market so much. Uh, but they, options are investment tools. A lot of people don't understand what options are. You know, they hear that they're dangerous and they lose a lot of money and things like that. And, of course, you know, that is possible. But options used the right way. And, as I mentioned, our entire mission is to educate on the responsible use of options. Um, options are tools. They can, they can help investors manage existing portfolios. They can... Uh, yeah, options can be used to help investors generate additional income through different option strategies. I mean, sure, you can go out there and you can speculate as well. Um, but options really are for everybody because, you know, they're a tool. And it's just a question of getting comfortable how to use that tool. In many cases, people do have the impression it's a very risky thing. So uh, we're going to go in more detail after this coming break. Uh, different ways of doing it. But in general, you can say that there are quite conservative ways to use options and quite aggressive and speculative ways to use options. Is that kind of the range of where things are at? 
Exactly. And when we talk about aggressive, you know, versus, uh, you know, conservative, really that gets back to the all-important component of risk management. That's really what we're talking about. And it's building that base of education that allows you to understand how much or how little risk you're going to incorporate, you know, in your portfolio with or without the use of options. Okay, very good. All right, we're going to come back and uh, talk about the details of what puts our what calls are, the different ways of combining them, how you can be conservative and, and increase your income and protect your portfolio, how you can speculate on different trends. So we're going to get into all that uh, much more after the break. Uh, my guest during the Money Answer Show today is Joe Burgoyne. Uh, he is the Director of Institutional and Retail Education at the OIC, which is the Options Industry Council. We'll be back after this. Up-to-date business and financial news. Call now and get the financial information you need. 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. The experts are here. Voice America Business Network. If you lead a team of any kind, you need to listen to this show. Tune in to Leading with Emotional Intelligence, hosted by Esther Orioli. Esther provides you with the tools and techniques you need to harness the power of EQ to stop setting goals and start changing behaviors in your organization. Get the latest concepts in EQ from a top-of-the-house perspective and have your questions answered on air. Leading with Emotional Intelligence is broadcast live every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Do you want to know what's really going on these days? Well, Capital Thinking takes you inside the worlds of policy, politics, law, and business. What happens in Washington, on Wall Street, and in our nation's legal system impacts your business every day. We're taking you on a behind-the-scenes tour of all of it. Each week, we bring you unfiltered conversation with a variety of influential policymakers, lawyers, and business leaders. I'm Kevin O'Neill, and I'm your host as Capital Thinking tours the halls of power. Join me for Capital Thinking on the Voice America Business Network each Thursday at noon Eastern and 9 a.m. Pacific Time. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Joe Burgoyne. He is the Director of Institutional and Retail Education at the Options Industry Council. Welcome back to the show, Joe. Happy to be here. Uh, give people the website where they can find out more about uh, the Options Industry Council. Thanks. That's a good idea. Uh, the all-important www.optionseducation.org. Okay. And you were mentioning that you also are working with uh, colleges and universities now. Tell us a little bit about that. Oh, yeah. We uh, A couple of years ago, we established a program called Road to Wall Street, Analyze Your Options. And, um, you know, because I think, by and large, as I told you, we've got the nine exchanges in the Options Clearing Corporation uh, in collaboration here. Um, we go to a handful of uh, colleges and universities, oftentimes in the larger financial centers, and we bring in industry experts to offer their 
really their life experiences and, and business experiences to students over a three or four hour program. And, you know, we do this uh, probably about four times a year at, at different colleges and universities. So we've had just spectacular support from the industry, um, you know, from exchange leaders to senior executives right on down. Um, the students really seem to get a lot of it because, you know, we're bringing practitioners uh, to, to have them come in and, and, and tell them, you know, basically offer some really solid business experiences. Great. All right, so let's get back to the basics now, um, and let's define what – there are two kinds of options. A call is uh, giving you the right to buy something that you think is going to go up. A put is giving you the right to buy something you think is going to go down. Let's just start with a very definition of what a call option is, and tell us the different pieces of it uh, if we want to buy a call or if we want to sell a call. Okay. Uh, as you said, uh, a call option is the right to buy an underlying at a particular price called the strike price. So let's take uh, XYZ stock. Let's say the stock's trading at $50. Uh, you could buy possibly different strike prices, which would then give you the chance to buy the underlying at that strike price. So let's, let's say the stock's 50 bucks and you buy a $50 call. If the stock goes from 50 to 60, the value of that call is going to be at least $10. Um, you know, not knowing exactly what you pay for it, but if you buy the, the 50 call, which gives you the right to own stock at $50 and the stock goes to 60, you know, that, that call is going to be worth at least $10, which is the intrinsic value, the difference between the strike price and the value or the, uh, how deep in the money the call is, plus any any possible time value. In uh, theory, you so could that, actually execute that option, meaning you could actually buy 100 shares of that XYZ stock at 50, even though it's now trading at 60, right? Well, I think you're talking about exer exercise. Is that what you're you referring could, to, George? Correct. You could actually exercise the option and, and actually take delivery of the stock, uh, even though it's now trading at 60, at 50, right? That's, that's sure. what you could do. You, you certainly could, and that, that's really a very good point because uh, and if you do exercise your option and by buying either the call or the put, you, you basically have a right. Buyers have rights, and one, of the, and one of the key rights is really to be able to exercise your option. Now, if you exercise your option, you know, and you take delivery of 100 shares of, of stock at 50, you know, you may, you know, be, chances are, you're going to have to have certain capital in your account to, you know, uh, protect that that fifty dollars, that hundred shares of fifty dollars stock. So you have to always stay in touch with your broker in terms of, you know, what you need in your account to take delivery of some of these exercised options. Uh, but another point, and oftentimes investor, investors lose this point, if the option, you know, you buy it, let's say you buy it for a dollar and it, it happens to go, the stock goes to 60 and it's now worth $10, rather than exercising and taking delivery, you can also just sell the, that option in the marketplace. So, you know, there are a number of things you can do, um, either exercising the option or selling the option outright. Now, one other thing I might add, and this is true of all options, and this gets back to the whole idea of, options as tools, um, 
if you pay a dollar, two dollars, five dollars, ten dollars for the option, whatever the price may be, you know that's all you can lose, and that's so you're 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 buying basically the leverage component gives you the opportunity for each option you buy to control a hundred shares of stock for whatever premium you pay. Typically, so of options that are profitable, they're in the money one way or the other. What percentage of them get exercised versus just sold and, and, and never exercised? I'm not sure about that. And, uh, and I, you know, actually I mentioned that we have about a half million strike prices. It, it actually, I'm not sure what the statistic is, but more options than not do land up out of the money, not in the money. Um, but I'm, I'm not sure exactly what that uh you know, what that percentage is. But the majority of options are never exercised. They are just so bought and sold at their prices. Is that correct? That is correct. So it knows you have the right to exercise this, but it might be just simpler if the option has gone from a dollar to $10, just sell the option and you don't have to ever have the capital to exercise your options, what you're saying. And yeah, but let, let me uh, take it just a step further in terms of understanding the prices without getting too involved. Um, there are two components when it comes to the option price. You've got the intrinsic value. So that's the money that the option is what we call in the money. So, again, if we bought a $50 option, the option to own the stock at 50 and that stock is now 60 you would have $10 of intrinsic value. And obviously, if you can buy the stock at 50 and sell it at 60 you know, you make ten bucks. It's ten dollars in the money. If the stock's at fifty-five, it's five dollars in the money. But that's that's the intrinsic uh, component of the option price. The other component is time premium. So, where an option may be, in our example, ten dollars in the money, if that option, you know, still has because you know we have options that can be a week in time. Standard option, you know, is every month, but then every we have options three months, four months, six months. Leap options are longer-term options. So we have options in some issues that go out over three years, more typically inside of 18 months. But, you know, back to the two components of the option price. You've got intrinsic value and time premium. So if you have time premium, in addition to that intrinsic component, chances are you're not going to exercise because that's extra value. If in our example, again, from a $50 call to the six, to a $60 stock, and if, if, so we've got $10 of intrinsic value, if we've still got a year before that option expires, maybe there's another two or three dollars in option value on top of the $10 of intrinsic value. So maybe the real value of that option in the marketplace is $12 or $13. With time premium, you're not going to exercise that option if you want to get out of the position because you would forfeit that 2 or $3. You would turn around and you know, sell the option in the marketplace to take in the full value, both the intrinsic value and the time value component. And time value is something that erodes. I kind of it's like an ice icicle or something in the 
uh, a hot day. As, as time goes on, it erodes at a faster and faster pace. And as you get near when the option expires, it becomes worthless. So you have to be careful about time value working for you or against you, depending on which side of the trade you're on. Exactly right. And you hit the nail on the head. The closer you get to expiration, you know, that time component aspect of the option price decays at a far greater rate. So you're exactly right. Okay, so let's go to the other side. So a call option we just talked about gives you the right to buy the stock at an underlying price for a particular period of time. And now describe what a put option is. A put option is the option to sell the stock or underlying, whether it's an ETF or an index. So the call's the option to buy the underlying, and the put's the option to sell the underlying. Okay, so why would you want to buy a put? Well, uh, maybe because the uh, you think the market or the stock or the index is heading south. And goodness knows, we've had uh, plenty of that lately. Okay, so if the stock market went down sharply, as it has been lately, the value of the put would be rising because you're locked in a right to sell it at a higher price. Exactly right. And and that's where getting back, you know, to one of your first questions, you know, should beginning investors, should it, you know, options only be for advanced investors? That's why I think, you know, options are for everybody because it's a very versatile product. The key is just building your baseline education so you understand what you're doing with these options. You know, when to use a call, when to use a put, when to buy a call, sell a call, buy a put or sell a put. Because, you know, investors can take both sides of of those uh, particular positions. But how, how about if we uh, take that same $50 stock and instead of a $50 call, the investor buys a $50 put. So if the stock you know, which let's say the stock is at $50, goes to $45. You know, the value of selling the stock at 50 for the value of that option is going to be worth $5. It's going to have $5 of intrinsic value and any time premium that may still be left. So that's why you go in and buy a put, because either you want to lock in profits, potentially, that you have been fortunate enough to ride the market with, so that's one reason, or um, maybe you just feel strongly the market or particular issues going down, you want to go in there and buy a put. So in that case, it's kind of acts as an insurance policy that you basically like the stock, but if it were to go down, uh, you would offset your losses with the increased value of the put is what you're saying. Yes, that's a good analogy. And actually, there are, uh, not, not to get too advanced early on here, but you know, there are strategies. One of them is called the married put or the protective put, where if you own the underlying uh, and either, you know, you want to lock in a profit or you're just you're nervous and you think the stock may turn around and go down, but you don't want to sell your stock, you can hold that underlying, either stock or index, and then buy a put against it and, and have it act just as you suggested as insurance because that's really what it is. So what we've talked about so far is buying a call where you think the stock's going to go up or buying a put where you think the stock or the underlying index is going to go down. Now let's take the other side of it and talk about selling calls or puts. Let's start about selling calls. Actually, we're going to go to a break and get, get more detail about this because this is a more conservative way of, of doing what's called the covered call strategy. Uh, so we're going to go to a break. Uh, my guest this hour 
is Joe Burgoyne. Uh, he's the Director of Institutional and Retail Education at the Options Industry Council. Uh, their website is optionseducation.org. And we're going to get into more about puts and calls after this. the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now. Toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Patricia Raskin, the host of Positive Living on VoiceAmerica.com, Monday at 11 Pacific. This program brings you practical and inspiring principles for living a more authentic, engaging, and passionate life. Patricia's guests will give you a formula for connecting, giving, forgiving, and miraculous living. So tune in and call to Positive Living, Mondays at 11 Pacific time, right here on VoiceAmerica.com. Leadership is a vital skill set in today's competitive global economy. Being a leader is not enough. To succeed, you must optimize your performance and know how to imbue others in your organization with leadership skills. Practical, actionable leadership insights are the focus of Leadership Development News, hosted each Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern, by Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler on the Voice America Business Channel. Doctors Greenberg and Nadler, who coach global leaders on how to be most effective, will share their insights and contacts. The path to leadership excellence begins here. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Joe Burgoyne. He's Director of Institutional and Retail Education at the Options Industry Council, which is the educational arm of the option industry. Their website is optionseducation.org. Welcome back to the show, Joe. Happy to be here. So we're now talking about selling calls and puts. We talked before about buying them. So let's talk about selling calls first. This is where either you own an underlying stock or you don't own it, and you sell the right to buy that stock. So explain how that works and why you'd want to sell a call. I will. And uh, it's it's really a critically important distinction here. And this is where, you know, going back to what I said, uh, the OIC is about the responsible use of options. When you sell options, um, and especially in the case where you don't own the underlying, you know, if you're selling a call or selling a put, uh, unlike the buy side where you have rights on the sell side you have obligations and so you're going to have an obligation depending on whether it's a call or a put to either sell the stock or buy the stock and oftentimes you can't really quantify the risk and so that's where um, you know talking about uh, selling options by themselves oftentimes can, uh, you know, be a position that has an enormous amount of risk. And, you know, for some investors, that may be fine, but I do caution. Um, selling calls and selling puts uh, by themselves is a 
different risk profile than the buy side, and investors just need to be aware of that. Uh, so on, on selling calls, for example, uh, if you have a you already own 100 shares of a stock and you're selling a call against it, you will receive the premium. And if the call, if the stock goes up, you already have the stock to deliver uh, if you're exercised. So that's not that risky a strategy. You're just giving up some upside. That's it seems exactly like right. the real risky one is where you don't own the stock, the so-called selling a naked call. And if the stock goes up, you have to go out and buy the shares to deliver. And that's where the real risk, as you say, a kind of unlimited risk comes in. Exactly. And, you know, that can be a strategy for some investors. But, you know, the most important thing that I want to do is just emphasize the different risk profiles. Um, maybe I can speak to, you know, the one strategy which you mentioned, the covered call. Yes. It's, uh, it's another reason why options can be for everybody. Um the covered call strategy does a couple things. It can generate additional income to your portfolio, and it also lowers the break-even point for your underlyings by the amount of credit that you take in for selling that call. So um, the covered call strategy is, is really very, very popular. So how would you do it? Say you have a portfolio of stocks. You basically like the stocks but you want to protection, you want to increase your income. If you sell calls against those stocks, you will receive the premium, which is what you get when you sell a call, and you get to keep that premium no matter what happens. If the stock goes up, you will probably have that underlying stock called away from you, and therefore you will have lost your position, but in return for that, you've got the premium. So what is the right way to do selling covered calls if if your your, your, uh, objective is to basically increase your income? Well, um, you laid it out pretty well. Uh, it is a position, and, you know, it's often the case uh, some investors, you know, do this type of thing by themselves. Other investors, you know, use their broker. Uh, but, you know, depending on, I mean, everybody's goal is obviously to make money, but uh, some investors do not want their stock called away. You know, maybe that's for tax purposes or for other reasons. And, you know, some of those underlyings, are just things that they want to keep in their portfolio. That's where, you know, management in the option position comes in. Um, a couple different choices. We talked about strike prices earlier in our $50 stock example. And we were talking about the right to buy or sell stock at 50 And in our example, the stock was $50. Well, you know, there might be dollar strikes. There might be strikes that are $2.5 wide, $5 wide, $10 wide. So you don't have to sell an at-the-money call. You can sell something that's out of the money, which means that, I mean, the stock could still go up and and make that option in the money to the point where you might have to deliver the stock. But most of the time, even if the stock does run up, you have an opportunity to either close out your short call position. Uh, You can... Uh, close out your existing short call position, and then sell another option. The terminology for that is to roll. So uh, there are lots of different things to avoid having that you know, stock be called away. So in a case like that, you're taking a certain loss. You're, you're buying back the option, which is risen in price, so that you will be able to hold on to the underlying stock. That's what's happening. Yes, but, but in the meantime, you've had a stock that's run up, 
and let's go back to our example. If the stock was 50 and let's say we sold a $55 call, $5 out of the money, you'll have made the $5 in the stock running up. Um, you know, in our example, let's say we sold the call for $2. So there's a good chance, you know, now if the stock was 60, you'll have taken a loss in the call because the call would be worth at least $5. But you could, if there's, you know, you could just roll into another call option. And heck, if the stock was at 50, or excuse me, at 60, you'll have already made, you know, on paper, $10 in the underlying. So you're always making money. Uh, sometimes when you roll, you just give a little bit back in order to not have that stock be called away. So now let's do the other side of the equation, which is uh, to be selling put options, which is you're selling the right to sell the stock at a particular price by a particular time. Uh, why do you want to be selling puts? Well, the reason an investor would sell puts is because he wants to get long the stock. And this is where, you know, especially for listeners who maybe don't know much about options, this is where it can be actually very confusing at the outset. You know, long calls, long push, short calls, short puts, you know, you're on different sides of the market. So it can be confusing, but I would urge your listeners just to, you know, go over this a couple times. It's only confusing, you know, because it's new. It's not confusing really because it's complex. Uh, but to answer your option or to answer your question, you know, the put option is the option to sell stock. So if, if you buy a put, you have the option to sell stock. Well, the flip side of that is if you sell the put, you have the obligation to deliver uh, long stock. So invest- you want to buy, you would cover it by buying the stock at the price. So the reason you'd want to sell a put is it's a stock you want to buy anyway at a lower price. And this is giving you a way to do that. And meanwhile, you're getting some income from it by the option income, the premium that you're receiving. Uh, so you're getting paid to buy the stock at a cheaper price is basically the way it works. Is that right? That's right. And and if at expiration that put is not in the money, meaning it has no value you and no intrinsic value, uh, you would have collected whatever premium you sold the put for. Um, but you would not actually own the stock at expiration. So what a lot of people say is sell naked puts all the time, and chances are you're not going to have to get exercised on them. And it's like free money, basically. You're getting option premiums all the time, and your chances are occasionally you'll have to do one, but mostly you're just collecting these uh, these premiums for having no obligation. Is that the right way to think about it? Well, you you, you definitely have that obligation. Um, I, I mean, personally, uh, you need, in my opinion, to have a pretty healthy portfolio to just be a put seller because, you know, we never know what's around the next corner. I mean, if you take a portion of your portfolio and sell puts, you know, that I think can make more sense. Um, I go back and, and I know it's a long time ago, uh, you know, in 1987 when we had to crash, the market was down 23% in one day. You know, it's an outlier event, but, you know, look at what happened in, you know, the fall of 08. And, you know, the first quarter of 09, the market tanked. 
when the market tanks, obviously our stock and indexes go down, and those puts, you know, can go from a couple dollars to a very, very, very expensive obligation. And it's just imperative that investors understand what that obligation is by selling either the call or the put. And and then, you know, fine, go with it. But uh, you got to so understand what, what kind of requirements are there from a brokerage house before you sell puts? <clears throat> they want to say that you have the money ready to go to be able to buy the stock to be exercised. What, what kind of financial obligations uh, or assets do you have to show to be able to sell naked puts? Well, you generally do have to have uh, the money in the portfolio to be able to buy the stock, 100 shares of stock at that strike price. Uh, it really can vary from broker to broker in the relationship, uh, you know, that a particular investor has with their with their broker. But you've got to have them. You can't be scrambling for the money afterwards. It's already got to be there, basically. Exactly right. Yeah. Okay, so now we've, we've done buying and selling both puts and calls. And then there are all kinds of combinations that we can do. And let's get into we, – we've covered covered calls where you have a stock, you sell the stock, you sell the option to collect the premium. Um, now, there's something called a vertical spread. Let's explain basically what a vertical spread would be. Okay. Um, we'll go back to our $50 stock. We talked about um, calls at $50. We talked about uh, a 55 strike price and a 60 strike price. So a vertical spread, uh, actually there are four different types of vertical spreads. You've got, you know, call vertical spreads and put vertical spreads, bull vertical spreads, and bear vertical spreads, depending on what combination of calls and puts you use. Um, but let's, let's use a simple call example. Uh, stocks at 50. We've got a 50 strike and a 55 strike. So in a call, in a bull call vertical spread, bull meaning, you know, we're looking for the stock to go up, we're going to buy that $50 call, and then we're going to sell the $55 call in the same month. So you buy the 50 call, you sell the 55 call, and if the stock's at 50, you know, that, that $50 call, depending on the amount of time, it may cost $2, that out of the money, $5 out of the money call, you know, maybe worth, say, 75 cents, maybe, let's say 50 cents. So maybe you're going to pay $1.50 for the 50-55 vertical call spread. Now, um, if the stock turnarounds and, and tanks, you know, the most you can lose is what you paid for that call spread, the $1.50. You could also, you know, sell that combination at – you know, whatever the bid in the market is, because just like calls and puts, you know, spreads have bids and offers just like, you know, calls and puts do. Sometimes the spread's a little wider than the individual call and put. Um, but the hope is with our $50, $55 call spread, you know, our forecast is for the stock to go up. We want the stock to go up to 55 or higher because if that's the case at expiration, both the 50 and the $55 call will be in the money. So with the value of that vertical call spread, which we paid a dollar and a half for, would be worth $5. And that's because that's the difference between the two strike prices, the 50 and 55, you know, call. It's so basically when you're doing spreads, you're 
uh, betting may not be the right word, but you're investing based on assuming the spread between one and the other is going to either widen or narrow. And you can exactly. bet it either way. That's right. You're and betting more in the spread of the two than you are the individual ones. So is the reason you want to do that is it's a lower risk strategy than doing an outright buy or sell on a particular put or call? You sound like you know what you're talking about there, Jordan. Very good. <laughs> uh, exactly. And that, that's exactly the point. And this is where, um, you know, there are lots and lots of different option strategies out there. I mean, I, I, there, there are hundreds of them for sure. There might be thousands. You can get confused or um, distracted with, with so much of what's out there. Uh, but the vertical call spread is one of these core concepts, and oftentimes a vertical call or put spread can be the most effective, less risky, least risky uh, possible option investment or even just underlying investment. So you really hit the nail on the head. Um, the vertical spread oftentimes can be a better, less risky approach to a particular forecast than just buying a call or put. Very good. Okay, we're going to take a break. Uh, this is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Joe Burgoyne. Uh, he's Director of Institutional and Retail Education at the Options Industry Council, which teaches everybody about options. Their website is optionseducation.org. We'll be back after this. the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between, discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. It's all Arizona, all over the world. If you're a local Arizona high school sports fan or if you're a transplanted fan somewhere else in the world, have we got a show for you. The first Internet sports radio talk show focusing solely on high school sports is The Coach's Corner with Scott Lovely. Tune in to talk about your favorite teams, players, or coaches. It's 100% Arizona high school sports coverage and a little bit more. Tune in Mondays at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 7 p.m. Eastern to the Voice America Sports Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to the Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to the Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Joe Burgoyne. He's Director of Institutional and Retail Education at the Options Industry Council. Welcome back to the show, Joe. Thank you, Jordan. 
Uh, you also want to give people a phone number uh, that they can find out more, as well as the website uh, for the options that you counsel. Um, you know, our investor services desk, where we have people there uh, five days a week, is 888-OPTIONS. And any options-related question, um, you know, they are happy to either take your call, accept your email. Uh, you can find that on the site as well. Okay, so we talked about vertical spreads. Now let's talk about calendar spreads. This is where you're uh, doing one month against another. Explain how a calendar spread works and why you'd want to do one. Okay. Uh, a calendar spread takes advantage in many cases of that decreasing value of the option, that erosion that you referred to. The closer we get to expiration, the faster that time premium component of the option uh, dissipates. So you buy an option, you know, two or three months out in time, and you sell a front-month option at the same strike. So going back to our $50 stock, you would buy, say, an option two or three months out in time and sell the front-month option and do that for some debit price, with the goal being uh, you do want the stock at expiration to be at the whatever strike you, you pick. Um, but you obviously want that still option that you're wrong to be worth more than the spread that you paid for uh, when you still had two options in the position. So that, that's yep. called a time or calendar spread. The front month meaning the most the, the month that's about to expire first, the, the most current month is when you talk about a front month. Yes. Exactly. And, and one, one other thing that I may mention, uh, early on I said, you know, the nine exchanges, we have about 3,700 underlines about 140 or 50 of those underlines now have weekly options traded on them. So uh, some investors are actually using those weekly options because clearly in the last seven days that erosion, you know, happens that much quicker and therefore, uh, you know, doing a calendar spray with a weekly versus a monthly option as well. So that's even more volatile, the weekly, compared to the monthly option. But if you get it right, you can do a lot, but you can lose a lot more quickly in that as well. Yes, but, the, again, the beauty of these spreads is what you can lose, you can't lose more than the debit you pay for these spreads, and generally the debit one month to the next or one month, you know, versus a couple weeks isn't that great. The one benefit potentially of using the weeklies is you, is you can, you know, be selling that, that option every seven days. But you do have to keep track of what strike and things like that. But, uh, you know, it's, it's a really good strategy for investors who, you know, have some comfort in the marketplace. Is options overall a uh, kind of a zero-sum game for everybody who's winning, somebody's losing? Is that kind of the way it works? Yes. So is, on, on every trade, somebody's winning and somebody's losing, basically. Uh, yes, that, that is true. It's not necessarily, you know, the person who – bought the option from you because there's so many different permutations um, and there's so many different types of spread combinations with those 500,000 strikes I was talking about. But essentially, yes, it is a zero-sum game. Okay. Now, another kind of option is what's called a collar, and this is something where you can make a certain amount of income and be protected against the downside. Explain how a collar works and why you'd want to do it. Okay. Well, a collar is one step uh, beyond that covered call we talked about. The covered call, you said we've got the underlying, at least 100 shares of the underlying. We sell the call 
What the collar does uh, is buy you downside protection because on a covered call, the only protection you have is the amount of premium that you sold the call for. So if the stock's 50, you sell a call for three bucks, you've got rather than a $50 break even, you've got that $3 below 50, so your break even's 47. But if the stock goes to 40, you know, you're at seven bucks. What the collar does, um, it gives you downside protection because you buy the put. So in our example, you got a $50 stock, you may sell the $55 call, buy the $45 put, which you would then be stopped out, you know, at 45 if the underlying, you know, really hit the skids to the downside. The only way, you know, you make money off that collar per se is if that combination between the call and the put versus the underlines is done for a credit. But you can adjust how much risk you're taking based on uh, what kind of a put you're buying. You exactly. can have a, a lot of protection or a small amount of protection. Exactly. And that is often uh, it's a really good point, Jordan. You know, what strike price, what month, what strategy? You know, they're the questions that option investors are always asking themselves. Um, you know, if their forecast is going wrong, how do they adjust? What's the right way to adjust? Uh, but that's where, you know, we at the OIC uh, take a lot of pride in our ability to hopefully help investors build that base of knowledge. So, you know, at a certain point, they know the next question, the next question, and the following question to be asking themselves. How do they protect that portfolio with managed risk? Before we close, I just want to talk about a topic of great interest to option trades, which is volatility. Uh, most people think of volatility as a negative thing, but if you have it working for you, it can actually be a very positive thing. How should investors in options deal with volatility? Uh, I, I appreciate you wrapping up with this. Uh, we probably don't have enough time to get into it in depth, but volatility is an extraordinarily important component when it comes to option pricing. Uh, and volat- there are two types of volatility, very simply. You've got historic volatility and implied volatility. Historic volatility is a measure of how much the underlying has moved in the past. So stocks that move a lot have high volatility. Stocks that move a little have low volatility. Stocks that have high volatility uh, have high implied volatility. And what implied volatility, how that differs from historic, is it is the expected amount of movement of the underlying in the future. So you've got historic, which is about the personality of the stock or the underlying in the past, versus the implied, which is what the market expects in the future. So that implied, if it's a high historic volatility stock, they're going to be high implieds, implying that the underlying is going to move a lot. If it moves a lot, the chance of calls and puts being in and out of the money increases. So you've got more time premium. Again, we talked about the intrinsic value and the time value components of options. The higher implied volatilities, the more time value. The more time value, you know, the more potential premium you can collect in a covered call. So Um, from the selling side, you're going to receive more income by selling a higher volatility stock. And from the buying side, you'll have to pay more for the right to uh, buy that 
caller put, because it's chances of it going into the money are greater since it's more volatile. And a lower volatility, the price of the premium will be lower based on what people assume about the volatility. Exactly right. And, uh, you know, if your listeners uh, are, are just getting started in options, uh, you know, volatility and especially implied volatility is just something that they should, you know, Google or check our website or the broker-dealer website uh, because it's a very important component when it comes to options. Very good. Well, thanks so much. My guest this hour has been Joe Burgoyne. He's Director of Institutional and Retail Education at the Options Industry Council. Again, their website is optionseducation.org, and the phone number to find out more is 888-OPTIONS. Thanks so much for being on The Money Answer Show, Joe. Jordan, thank you so much for the opportunity. Good to talk to you. Thank you, and we'll be back with another edition of The Money Answer Show next week. Goodbye for now. Thank you for joining Jordan Goodman and the Money Answer Show. If you have a question for Jordan, please visit his website at www.moneyanswers.com. And be sure to tune in every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time right here on Voice America Business. See you next week.